Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews and insights from the field of healthcare. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you by THC Primary Care, where we provide operations and project management to primary care networks. If you are a clinical director or a practice manager and your to-do list is growing by the minute and you could do with an extra pair of hands to support you to roll out your network-based contracts and projects, I would love to help you. We also provide consultancy and coaching advice to healthcare business owners and clinical leads looking to take the next step in their career or their business. Come and check us out at www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. Hi and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So on this episode of the podcast, I interviewed Dr. Angela Goyle. Angela is a GP director at Inspired Medics, which specializes in CPD on lifestyle medicine for clinicians. She has a special interest in dermatology. She is a clinical lead for dermatology at One Medical Group. She is a mum. She works for a charity. She's a superstar. And I know Angela from way back in 2018, I signed up to attend one of the Inspired Medics courses and we talk about this on a podcast. It was excellent. It was so, so good, so inspiring. Everybody was so welcoming. And that was when I was first introduced to Angela. And I wanted to have her on the podcast because I really do believe in lifestyle medicine. I have a health coach and I have seen some dramatic changes physically and mentally through making actually quite small changes, which have then created transformational change. And I wanted to have Angela on the podcast because I really, really do believe in lifestyle medicine and I have a health coach and I have seen in some respects my health and well-being has really been transformed. So it's a pleasure for me to bring organisations like this to you. In this interview, we talk about the power and importance of lifestyle medicine and its growing popularity and understanding but there's still a lot of work to do. It's not part of core training for healthcare professionals. And that is something that Angela wants to change. Big problems, I think, in the way that modern medicine has evolved. And lifestyle medicine is part of the solutions, I think, to making things better, both for clinicians and for patients. A lovely, it's a great, great interview. We had a great conversation and I would love to know what you think and I would love to know your key takeaways from this episode and I'll see you in the next one. So first of all, I'm me, you know, I'm Angela Goyle. That means that I have my own interests and my own values and things that I'm very passionate about. And then Obviously, I have all my roles, my work roles, family roles. So um, with family, I'm a mum to two teenagers. 
Uh, I'm a single mum. I've been I've brought my children up on my own since they were very young, from the ages of one and two. So that makes me really proud now that they're older, they're teenagers, and and starting to find their own way in life. And work-wise, I have a number of roles. So my main role is in the NHS. I work with one medical group, and I know that you've already interviewed Will Dawson, who's the chief exec for the company. And with One Medical Group, we provide NHS services. So my role is clinical lead in dermatology and I lead the community dermatology services. And I also run, um, so my other main role is running Inspired Medics, which some of your listeners may have heard about, some of them may not have. Um, Inspired Medics, we provide uh, education for healthcare professionals. And this all started with, you know, I said, like, I'm me when I started out describing my roles. So it, it started out with my own passions. You know, what I was really felt passionate about was missing in medicine. And with Inspired Medics, I run events that I feel are, are filling in the gaps that are missing in medicine. So lifestyle medicine is a big part of that. Big problems, I think, in the way that medicine, modern medicine has evolved and lifestyle medicine is part of the solutions, I think, to making things better, both for clinicians and for patients. So that's a big part of what I do. And I have other roles. Um, so I'm um, an advisory board member for the UK Health Coaches Association. I'm a regional director for the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine. I'm also just getting involved with a local charity, uh, which also combines my lifestyle medicine interest which is a meet, uh, it's called the Meeting Point Cafe in Leeds. They want to bring this healthy way of living to their community. And that's been quite important, what they're doing in the community, especially over the pandemic year. Um, yeah, so I think that that covers it. <laughs> is that enough roles for you? It's like, oh, come on, to, I want to hear your productivity tips because you juggle loads. But before we get to that, the Healthy Way of Living. Could you give us some examples of the initiatives uh, that charity is doing? So this charity, you know, it's been running many, many years and it's it's part of a church. So uh, um, it's part of the Methodist church. I mean, that's not my own faith. I, I'm actually Hindu, but it's a, it's a local charity. And what's I think I was just drawn to it because it all happened by accident. I just went there to the Meeting Point Cafe to do a food bank delivery because they're also a food bank so I went to deliver some supplies and we just got talking one day they were saying that they'd be you know they they knew I was a doctor and they said they'd be really interested in me doing some talks for their community just to bring positive health messages to their community and that's how I got involved but what they do is that they're really a social area for people in that area of Leeds to meet up with each other uh, which is part of lifestyle medicine, a connection with other people. And they said it has been a lifeline for many people just to be able to meet each other, to talk to each other. And people come for that reason. And they also want now to incorporate you know, some healthy food ideas into the cafe, some physical activity, for example, walking, walk and talk meetings for people that use the cafe. Yeah, so that, that's what it is really, um, just to sort of, and it, it's actually in quite a deprived area of Leeds, and it's actually the area of Leeds where was my first home, where my parents lived, so I was really drawn to getting involved with them. 
I love that. And I just love, yeah, I love the, the phrase healthy way of living. So you mentioned you work at the One Medical Group. And yes, Will Dawson has been on the podcast. His episode was excellent. I'm trying to drag Sean Major Priest on and Sarah Everest. And Dr. Helen Lowell is my, she's my health coach. So it's really interesting that the One Medical Group seem to really be invested in lifestyle medicine could you describe the culture of that organisation from your point of view? Well, for me, the enthusiasm at One Medical Group for the whole lifestyle medicine approach was the reason why I joined them a few years ago. Um, because it's for me, it's been about six years that I became really interested in lifestyle medicine for my patients and it's just grown from there. So, so now I actually teach others and run education on it for other clinicians. So it was around that time when I was developing that interest that um, this job just sort of appeared for me. Again, I think it was fate. I was drawn to it. The job was actually clinical lead for dermatology services, which is my specialist interest. And it, it was actually the, the fact that we're so passionate about lifestyle medicine and they had innovative ideas of how to put it into practice that I felt it would be a really good fit for me because I felt that you know I'd, I could bring ideas to the table at this organization so the culture is very much at one medical group about well-being and about promoting that amongst their own staff for example I've had a few parcels arrive on my doorstep which have put a smile to my face um, like a mindfulness pack arrived on my doorstep one day and a really nice cocktail pack arrived in time for Christmas. And um, so there's that kind of culture of, of wanting to make it a happy, healthy place to work. But also the work that we do for our own patients. You know, we I, I work at one of their surgeries at the Light in Leeds and there is a gym in the waiting room, which isn't being used as much now because of COVID restrictions but we have health coaches within the organisation and they are, you know, I'm, I'm able to bring ideas and incorporate them into my own dermatology service as well, such as, so for example, I wanted to start the group consultation model in dermatology and they're always so supportive about bringing this kind of innovation in. So could you share how you first got into lifestyle medicine? And for people that may not be as familiar with the term, what is lifestyle medicine? So lifestyle medicine is an evidence-based specialty. It's all backed by research and scientific studies. And it really brings the, the important, powerful, but simple interventions into medical practice. Now, these interventions are sleep, lower stress, good nutrition, physical activity, connecting with others and reducing our exposure to toxins such as drugs and alcohol. And there's also interventions within lifestyle medicine around things like spending more time in nature, healthy relationships and how we connect with other people, having a life purpose and goals, you know, all of all of these things, there's evidence to show this impacts very much on, on chronic disease. And we can use these interventions not just to prevent disease, which is how it's often thought about, that these things will help prevent chronic ill health, but actually to treat and reverse 
chronic diseases. And actually, it's quite astounding. It's not actually already massively entwined in modern medicine when you think about it. When you, when you look at how powerful these interventions can be, it should, you know, from the outset have been included in training of all healthcare professionals. But for me, you know, as a doctor in medical school, you know, these things were not touched upon at all. Things are changing a little bit now, but I think they need to rapidly change because we have a huge chronic disease epidemic. So, so that's what it is. And how I became involved in it, this is going back six or seven years. So there wasn't the kind of resources that there are out there now. You couldn't just type into Google lifestyle medicine and come up with um, some results. In fact, I hadn't even heard of the term lifestyle medicine six, seven years ago. I, it really came from a feeling of, of seeing so many patients day after day, because uh, I've been a GP for um, a long time now, how many years? About 17 years. Um, and I've been a doctor for over 20 years. So it's, it really came from a feeling that I was prescribing more and more medication to my patients. And my patients weren't actually getting better in their health. And I, it was making me feel disillusioned. I felt that medicine had become over-medicalized. Um, it had become a pill-popping culture. You know, the consultation ends with giving out a prescription. And the science and the evidence behind even things like physical activity, you know, back six, five, six years ago, wasn't really understood. Around mindfulness meditation, that was just starting to become incorporated into medicine then. Certainly things like spending time in nature, you know, clinicians didn't know, could, can I recommend this to my patients? Is it actually scientific? Am I allowed to recommend this or do I just have to follow these guidelines that inevitably end in prescribing a drug? And this, and this then leads to the clinician not feeling so happy doing the job. It takes us away from why we went into medicine in the first place. But I think it also leads to the patient feeling disempowered. So that's it was all these feelings, really, that made me go and learn more about this. And there weren't societies for lifestyle medicine at that time. So I just ended up doing research, looking up research evidence from clinical papers myself and found that actually there was some evidence here. And then I found a course run by um, an organisation in America. So I went on this course in London. It was a five day course, learnt a lot there. And that's when it came to me, the idea that, you know, what I think clinicians need in the UK is not a five day course because you have to be really passionate about it. I think to take five days off work and a study leave. And it was really expensive, this course as well, thousands of pounds. So I thought what is needed is just a one day course where you can go and learn, you know, of that kind of, uh, you know, one or two days, about that many hours of learning. And you can go and learn all of that in a way that's relevant for the UK and for the NHS. And that's when I set up Inspired Medics to help train other colleagues on the things I've been researching for so long. So do you know how many students have gone through um, your courses? Yes, different types of courses. You know, obviously we've had, I mean, it's over, it's over probably 1,500 at the moment but that's if you include everything so if that's including the, the live conference that we had in Leeds that's including when I go and 
do talks for other organisations and then our own courses for our own events, um, our own events and own courses about, I would say, approximately a thousand. But then there's probably another thousand on top of that, if not more, for other events that I go and speak at. And despite all the evidence, do you still receive opposition for the argument for lifestyle medicine or do you feel that people understand it, they get it, they want to do it and it's only a matter of time before it becomes a foundation of your GP training? So in the beginning when I started on this journey, yes, definitely lots of opposition. So I felt I almost had to practice it in secret you know (laughs) I thought how do I how do I document that I've spoken to my patients about you know trying out some breathing exercises so I just have to use the right kind of language in documenting in the consultation things like you know discussed relaxation breathing with my patient I didn't want to use words like meditation or mindfulness at that time this is six seven years ago and I felt there was opposition I remember even a clinician saying to me Um, But there's no evidence that physical activity is actually beneficial, you know, physical health or or something like I can't remember the exact, but it was there was there was opposition, certainly. And with nutrition, a lot of suspicion around nutrition as well. So things are definitely changing. I think people are start. There's a lot of good work that's been done out there in the UK and worldwide, which means that people are starting to hear that actually yes you can put type 2 diabetes into remission with diet and that's actually amazing given that for 20 years of my career we've been treating it only with drugs and we actually haven't put patients into remission and we've been giving them more and more drugs to keep them where they are and they still end up getting a bit worse so yeah a lot of resistance in the beginning it was quite difficult actually to put my head above the parapet and say that I was doing the course that I did in London and then I just took the leap and I, and I got to a point where I thought I don't really care I know that there's evidence here I'm going to run this event and then I felt hugely supported because the event sold out 250 clinicians came was that the Leeds event in 2018 and yeah and I think you came to the one on careers I can't remember the, yeah it was the careers one actually yeah so the 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 um the lifestyle medicine one was even bigger and I felt massively supported as well I mean I know people gained a lot by coming to our event but I gained a lot by seeing how many people were supporting what I was doing but we it was like we were all supporting each other these people had also been practicing lifestyle medicine or researching it in isolation and the feedback I was getting was that you've connected us all Angela and this is what's so amazing about this event but things are changing now and I think hopefully it's a matter of time that it will become standard part not just of GP training but nurse training hospital specialist training paramedics pharmacists I think it should be for everyone so I just wanted to pick up I was at a webinar the other day we were talking about mindset and failure and imposter syndrome and where you've said I was practicing lifestyle medicine in secret and then I thought sod it I'm going to do this event how many people came to that event so it, was, it sold out. So we had capacity for 250 and who all turned up because um, it was a, a ticketed event. So everybody came and said they were going to come. But we also had 150 on the waiting list. And given that you'd never done this before, it's why did you, 
why did you decide on 250 tickets? Why did you not go smaller? Why did you not think, I'll just just see 50 and just book a small venue? What made you think, right, I'm really going to do this and invite a couple of hundred people to come and I'm going to host this event? Yeah, so that's a really good question, Tara. (laughs) And actually reminds me of the days when um, I was in the, when I just launched the event and put it out live and panicking that nobody was going to come. And I'd booked the venue and I'd put a deposit on for the venue and we put so much work into it. And I thought, oh gosh, and what if only five people buy a ticket? And that, you know, that, that first person who bought a ticket, it would have, I can't, you know, it would have really made, I should have sent a thank you note to them to say, (laughs) thank you so much. It would have given me so much confidence. And then the second, then the third, those early tickets would have really made me feel I'm on the right track. And I think partly the decision for the the choosing the bigger room at the venue, because they had different sized rooms. I don't know. I think it was just more that I'm just going to do it. Didn't think about it too much. (laughs) I think it's yeah when people listen to this you know that there comes a point where you just think I really believe in it let's just go like what's the worst that can happen and I think I just I really want the listeners to know that so I went to the careers one I think I was the only like non it felt like I was the only non-GP there so I was very nervous going but I wanted to learn um yeah I wanted to learn and see what was going on and the environment that you created, I wrote a blog about the event. I don't know if I've ever done that before. It was so welcoming. So what was the feel that you wanted your event? It's a, It was a very different event from like your normal, you know, like NHS event. So what was going in through your mind when you created this event? Okay, so before I answer that about about creating the event, I just want to say a huge thank you to you, Tara, as well, because you you actually came up to me and we were chatting, weren't we, at the careers event, mm. and you said to me how welcoming it was and how much you were enjoying it, and you don't know that meant so much to me <laughs> on that day because often people do feel like that, don't they, when they go to events or, well, it's not, you know, some some events you don't feel like that, but you might go somewhere, or it could just be that you know you're. It might not even be a medical event; it could be anything, and you're having a good time, and you think it's great. But people don't often go and tell the organizer that. Yeah. So the fact that you told me that during the event was, I you know, I remember that to this day. It was oh, it was cool. really nice that you did that. So the question was, how did I create that positive energy? Yeah, like what did you, when you were thinking about the event, what was going through your mind? How did you want people to feel? Because it was a very different sort of event. You know, like I saw people there that were on the maternity leave, they had their babies on them, people were breastfeeding, you had like, you know, like really healthy snacks. It wasn't just, you know, like, you know, like usually when there's an event and there is, if you're vegetarian, I'm like vegetarian, gluten free, which means I get like a crappy like soggy sandwich it's falling apart but there was none of like it was really there was loads of really healthy snacks and it was just great it was really good so so inspired medics the whole basis of it has been to put some passion back into medicine because you know I said I created inspired medics to sort of fill what was missing in medicine I sort of feel like the why we became doctors or why we went into healthcare as a healthcare professional 
it gets lost over the years and you start following your guidelines and your algorithms and your protocols and you forget the passion that you had when you were 18 when you made that choice so the whole idea for inspired medics was to put that back in um, lifestyle medicine was part of that um, but connecting with your other with other professionals was a huge part of that for me and I felt that I go to all these um, CPD events and I don't um, actually you know speak to many people I just listen to the lectures and I eat you know a croissant that I don't even want to eat <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I go home and I haven't really enjoyed it but I've, I've ticked off a box of CPD yeah. And I felt that there was a huge opportunity that when you run an event, it should not just be about the CPD. It's good to have the CPD. You know, we, we need to um, keep educating ourselves. But, but when we go to an event, you've got a huge opportunity to connect with all those other professionals that are there because you, you're not you're only seeing a few people in your small workplace. And what an opportunity. So I wanted to create an environment where people would talk to each other. That was a, a starting point. Um, I did want it to be welcoming and fun because people are giving up a weekday, sorry, a weekend day. Yeah, medical professionals, we don't often get CPD allowances and some people get study leave they can take during the week, but many people have to fit it in during the weekends. So weekends are supposed to be fun, so I wanted it to be fun. And lifestyle medicine is really important to me, so I'd already started bringing this concept in to smaller events I've been running building up to this big event so for example we, we did like a meeting on sexual health you know a sexual health update for GPs so at the end of that event there'd be some meditation and a chance to a, a doctor speaking about how they created a portfolio career so it was I suppose inspired medics the idea of the events is that it encompasses the healthy lifestyle lifestyle medicine ideas connecting with people and I suppose welcoming and enjoyable. Mission accomplished. And we're just, I mean, we're still in the pandemic. What has been the impact of COVID on the Inspired Medics part of your life? So um, the impact has been that we couldn't run any more Inspired Medics live events. We didn't actually even plan them because, you know, it, it was quite a huge challenge to run two live events, big, big national conferences in one year. It actually took a lot out of me because I'm, you know, the main person behind Inspired Medics. So I didn't want to put all that work in for it to be cancelled at the last mm -hmm. minute. So we moved all our events to digital CPD. So it's all digital now, the lifestyle medicine training. It's all online. So when people sign up to it, they get 12 months of access try to keep that friendly enjoyable vibe to the digital content as well so the videos we've made we've made them interesting how how the speakers are presenting not just a as you call it talking head yeah. um, and lots of powerpoint slides we've made it a bit more interesting it's all down you know there's downloadable resources on there so we're, we're doing the best in providing the education online the pandemic actually, strangely, has given me a bit more time to put into Inspire Medics. You know, for a whole year, all those evenings when you, you know, you might have been going out to places and yeah. weekends, I've, I've spent a bit more time working on it. And what's the vision? Where do you want to take it? So the vision is that the lifestyle medicine education reaches all clinicians in the UK 
if not further afield, you know, clinicians from other countries globally have, have been taking up the course as well. But obviously I'm from the UK. I would really like to see how healthcare is transformed in this country. And I would absolutely want these kinds of courses to be included in standard training for all healthcare professionals. Um, you know, PCNs to realise the value of this because they're looking at bringing health coaches in and wellbeing advisors in. So to have everybody singing from the same hymn sheet and understanding that why the health coaches are important, why the social prescribers are important, because they understand that actually you know, the clinicians can see the impacts and they understand the evidence and that their patients believe in their patients that their patients are able to make these changes I would love that's what I'd love to see it rolled out in medical schools in undergraduate training for nurses and pharmacists as well but also in postgraduate education for GP training schemes and PCNs to really embrace the whole philosophy of it. So, so I'm obviously not medical but I do work with I do work with lots of primary care networks and not in a bad way, but there'll be GPs that say, I know my patients and I'm supporting them with and giving them lifestyle advice. Why would I need a social prescriber or why would I need a health and wellbeing coach? The patient wants to see me and I am serving that need. So could you, like, what are the benefits of these other roles and how can they complement uh, the medical team? Yeah, I think what you said, you've hit the nail on the head, complementing the medical team so we are we're not practicing in isolation as doctors you know we we work in partnership with our patients first of all you know, the patient is the central most important person and they're on a health journey you know health isn't static it goes up it goes down it changes over the years it changes during periods of stress and you know we need everybody in the team to be supporting and empowering that patient in front of us and you know I have the reason I felt disillusioned with medicine six seven years ago before I started was I feel like we take so much control away from our patients we are the authority we disempower them and we say right you just need this prescription that nobody understands this chemical so I'm not saying that you know we obviously need to, to use medication and we need surgery we need vaccines we need all of this but in tandem with conventional medicine we can't afford to miss the opportunity to bring in lifestyle interventions. And social prescribers have a huge role to play in this because everybody's social needs are different and people live in different environmental circumstances, poverty, deprivation. And it might, you know, social prescribing is about what matters to you. So their concern, you know, at that time might not be taking their inhalers for their asthma. Their concern might be the damp in the house or um, stress from their landlord, but indirectly that is affecting their asthma. So there's no point us just prescribing more and more inhalers and stepping up the treatment. We need to get to the root of what is affecting that patient. And we don't have time as a clinician to do a home visit and scope out the home and speak to the housing association. So that's where the social prescriber would come in. And the health coach would come in 
for somebody who does want to start to make changes to their lifestyle and just needs that bit of support to do it. Because I know that you're a runner, Tara, and you're interested in your own health, and so am I. But it's not easy, is it, when we're surrounded by this food environment of processed food and we are busy and we have to take time out to go for a run um, or to do the things that we know are good for us. And sometimes you just need that bit of encouragement. We all do. Yeah, when you were saying that, I did think we this is called the business of healthcare, but we're all patients. And as somebody that has got a health coach, I think there is one thing that is missing and I work quite closely with a social prescriber is that from the patient or I don't, I'm not the patient. What am I? If I'm not the patient, the patient, what would you call me? Like I'm not, I'm not the client, aren't I? Yeah. I mean, I suppose we use the word patient a lot, don't we? Um, which already it has a connotation of. that. It's like patient, like I'm not ill. I'm, I'm ill. Yeah. And you're passive. <laughs> whereas I'm proactively trying to support my health. But what I was going to say is that from a client's perspective, you do need to be very committed and very dedicated because, as you've said, you know that there's days where I don't want to meditate or I don't want to do any yoga or I don't want to run. And you have, in order for it to really work, and it does work, I'm getting Helen on the podcast you know, I've started doing 10 minutes of yoga in the morning and the evening and I'm shocked. I'm like, Helen, I I can't believe this small amount of exercise has had so many positive benefits. And you know, when you think I'm fine now, bad back's gone. And then you stop doing the things that make you feel good. And then it's like it comes creeping back. And I think you do have to be very, very committed because if you go to the doctor and they say, do you know what, Tara, I think you would do really well if you go and see Angela, our health and well-being coach. And if you're not committed to taking the small steps every day, you can feel disheartening and you may think, oh, do you know, like, doctor, just give me a, give me the tablet to make me feel better. So y- you as the client, as the patient have to be very committed and hopefully your healthcare professional will be there to support you on those days and weeks and months that maybe sometimes it feels like you know like everything is a we know when everything feels like a priority you kind of put yourself last um so yeah I did just want to add that it is it's a partnership Helen can't do it for me she supports me and guides me but ultimately it's me that makes the change yeah, ab- absolutely. It's um, it's a partnership between the patient, the clinician, conventional medicine and lifestyle medicine partnership because you, you may need to use both in conjunction or there may be times when you want to just take the medical route. You know, you haven't got time at all to think about what you can be doing to support your own health. We all have had phases in our lives where we need the what might feel like the easier route where we have to put less effort in. So and it depends on what that patient in front of you, what they want, you know, and and we can call that patient activation. What's their activation level? And I think where lifestyle medicine education comes in is to bring the team on board with these healthcare roles that NHS England want to bring in. So they want to bring in health coaches and social prescribers. I think, though, that unless the whole team understands the power of lifestyle medicine, that opportunity could well be wasted because nobody understands how they really can make a huge difference to their patients. 
and that there's actually evidence that you know meditation is just as effective for chronic pain as many of these powerful medications that we're prescribing. That evidence, people, you know, this is the kind of evidence we put on our courses so people can see that actually in studies where you look at using, for example, with acne, a 12-week course of antibiotics or 12 weeks of probiotics, they have similar results. Okay. That knowledge isn't out there. So it's about the knowledge being out there for the whole team to then really understand the value of these roles. And from a primary care network basis, is is everybody logging on to do this course individually or do you do it as a team? At the moment, so people are coming to Inspired Medics who find us directly themselves. So word of mouth or Google search seems to be how individuals are finding us. And we are now starting to have conversations with PCNs who want to bring this into their teams but we haven't had any groups coming you know haven't taken on it as a group as yet but the idea is that for PCNs we would provide a blended learning learning package so that they've got access to the courses but we tailor it to suit their practices and what their needs are so there would be some sort of bespoke education in there so it might be they want um, a session with me for example but the whole team say 10 or 20 people on top of the actual digital resources that are there so that people can discuss cases and discuss, because it's you learn it, but then you think, oh, but I have this situation. Now, what do I do in that specific situation? So we have that package available as well. Okay. So I've noticed, I kind of looked through some of your modules and one of the modules is around creating a career in lifestyle medicine could you share like what are some of the opportunities available to people in building their career around this yes I created this module because the the clinicians that are coming to us are so passionate about lifestyle medicine and they already had it fits right in with their intuition this is the way we should be moving forward in medicine and then they do the course and then the next question was always right what career options are there available to me how do I use this in my career so in you know that that module we talk about all the different possibilities that there are it's it's a new area so part of it I've explained a lot about well the opportunities that are there some of them you will be creating you can pitch ideas that are new and novel and nobody's ever thought of before because it's not that you're going to see 10 job adverts for a lifestyle medicine practitioner because it's not really out there yet you know, you have to pitch it to others. Okay. So, for example, examples of careers you could take on as a healthcare professional doing the courses are you could become a health coach yourself. And it's only recently that PCNs are employing health coaches. Um, that, so that could be done in the NHS or privately. You could practice privately as a healthcare professional. So mostly doctors or physios you know, may practice privately. So it's something to add to the services that you offer that you're you're more holistic and that you will I think a lot of patients want this kind of advice of what they can do for themselves it's a great thing to do if you're already in private practice or you want to set up private practice you can I mean so many companies now want a healthy workplace so you can advise companies big organizations about policies for well-being for how they look after their staff there's all those kinds of corporate roles that you can undertake 
to take. You can get involved with NHS England and Public Health England or your PCN um, or your or media to promote these kinds of messages mm-hmm. because everybody's interested in it. And I think clinicians are central to bringing this out because we our job is to deal with disease and health. And the focus has been on sickness. It's We've been at NHS, National Sickness Service. And we need to move back to being a national health service. So, Angela, thank you so much for joining me today. If people want to find out more about Inspired Medics, where can they go? So they can check out our website, which is www.inspiredmedics.co.uk. And we're on Instagram at Inspired Medics. And they can find me through LinkedIn at Dr. Angela Goyle. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tara. Thanks for having me. so much for joining us if you like what you hear I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review I know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care on Instagram at THC Primary Care and on LinkedIn just look for Tara Humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do it's really really funny you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week so click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.